Hello and uh, welcome back to another episode of In the Beginning Was the Word a Hangout Session. And uh, today I'm joined by a friend of mine. I consider him a friend. We haven't met each other, but we've been talking on and off through the pandemic. And I'm very pleased to uh, bring or to introduce Uchana to uh, the talk tonight. Hello, Mr. Uchana. How are you doing? Yeah, um, hello, Liu. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm very fine. How about you? I am doing uh, pretty awesome. It's been sunny and nice weather here lately. And so I've been getting a lot of sun. I have a lot of school stuff and work stuff going on, but things are going great. And I have the house to myself. My wife is in the United States right now. That's nice. That's very nice. I, yeah. I, think, I think I also have like a similar situation here too. Um, almost all my family members are, are summer or they've traveled for school and for work. So it's just it's just me and my and my mom right now at home. But that is yeah. That is nice. <laughs> yeah, she may leave soon. I don't know when she's in, but she may leave soon to go be with my dad because my dad now works in another country and it's it's been okay, but like he doesn't speak French. So he's he's I think he's having some like some problems with the language barrier, but he's he's doing okay. He's doing okay. He, he does come to visit us um like monthly or like on a monthly basis, or like for like every two months, but it's 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 been a bit of a transition for my family because um, he's never you know worked in another country where they don't speak English. Yeah, I understand. And French is hard. It's not an easy language, I would say. Yeah. But um, it's great to have you here today. I thought I'd uh, do like a little chat with you for my listeners who are Norwegian and from other places in the world. Um, so they can get the inside scoop on what's been happening in your country of Nigeria. And uh, especially because uh, you've been in contact with me expressing some worry about the political situation in the country because of um, centralized digital currencies and uh, political corruption and stuff like that. So could you uh, sort of walk us through like what has been happening in Nigeria I haven't done a lot of research before talking to you today okay okay so basically um, um do you want me to start with the um, CBDCs or do you want me to start with the corruption well you can start wherever you want uh maybe the corruption should be talked about first I guess uh because that's kind of like what makes it happen, I suppose. Okay, okay. Well, um, recently, um, my country um, just had, in February, we just had like the most important um, elections um, for the country, that's the presidential elections to elect a new president. And um, it, uh, like there, there's been a lot of preparations and a lot of investments um, into making sure that the um, organization that um, organizes the elections does it well, 
and does it better than they've done it before. But mm. there were problems, yeah. There were problems because um, the organization, like in short, it's called INEC. INEC was not transparent in the way they ran the elections. They, they allowed for rigging to happen and they like, um, they collaborated with um, some like hooligans to basically rig the election. So people literally saw that it was not free and fair and um, there were many irregularities. And a certain candidate, his name is Tinubu. He he's not he, clearly he's not what he's not the, the candidate that the people want. Because mm. um, we've been trying to transition to you know better leadership and all, but he's clearly not the leader that people want. But it seems that they want to force him on us. So they rigged the election in his favor, but the people know that the election was rigged because, you know, we've got um, phones these days, we've got social media, so, like, things were being recorded, so people know. So, um, um, that's the main problem now. So, they, um, they basically announced, they did something really funny. After all of the irregularities that happened in the election, the rigging that people saw, they, what they did was that they, like, a couple of, a couple of um, days later, they announced the winner of the election. And normally, like, if you're going to announce the winner of an election, you do it during the day. These people did it at night, like, like, like in the early, sorry, the early hours of the morning, like around like 5 a.m. So like, so that like, like people wouldn't, people would just wake up and see that. So he was like announced the president elect. But the thing is, um, he's not yet been sworn in. So he has to take an oath around May so that he's like he becomes the de facto president so um we have like a law here that says that like if there's if there's any candidate that has a problem with the elections which um the candidate that the people wants he does because he said that like he's going to take um any legal routes possible to make sure that he um he gets back the this thing the mandate because it's clear that he won because like People voted for him. People say that they voted for him. And like anytime that he appears in public, because he, unlike other politicians around here who like, you know, they move around with like lots of bodyguards and all, he, he moves around alone. And anytime he's, he's, he's around, people are like, are like always like really friendly with him. But the other guy, <laughs> the other guy, he's always moving around with like bodyguards and lots of like corrupt politicians. So like, like obviously it's, it's clear that there's one that's the people's choice. And the other one is not um, the people's story. So, like, um, he he's, he basically went to court to, you know, to try to challenge the election results that were clearly rigged. So he, we're still on it. And I think in, in about the first week or the second week of April, we would have the election, sorry, the, um, the court hearing. Hopefully, hopefully he wins it back. That's what I'm hoping for right now. Because, like, this guy, the guy that they um, that they're trying to force on us right now, he he's got a lot of you know shady history. He he's also part of like the you know the old cabal of politicians who are like are like you know not doing well. They are so mediocre and it's like that they're basically trying to ruin the country. I don't know why. So for their own like selfish gain. So people want him out because like we like. Like there are, there are many young people, like if you look at the demographics here in the country, 
we have lots of young people like from like the ages of like 18 to 35 so like nobody wants you know these older boomers to come and you know continue ruling and you know doing their corruption and all so like people want like a better life people want better opportunities in the country and all so that's what has happened and i'm just being hopeful that like that um peter will be like wins the court hearing mm-hmm. that, apart from the other like problems that we have but like this is the main one because it's the presidential like because if, if a president gets in he's one term is four years and the second term is four years it's four years as well so he, um, the way things are in Nigeria, when someone becomes president, he's most likely not going to lose the second election. So he's most likely, the person is most likely going to stay for eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like no one, no one wants to waste like eight years of their life under some corrupt politicians. You know, mm-hmm. you want uh, you want someone who is there um, that has the um, people's interests at heart. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. So th- that's basically what's on right now. And that's why I'm basically being like hopeful and praying that like the things go well because they've got a lot of um a lot of um 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 should I say information that could disqualify um Tinubu. That's the guy that you know that was rigged in. Like f- firstly, he's he has a history of like you know drug um, pushing he, he apparently he did drugs in the u.s but um, you know what uchana yeah. this reminds yeah. me of brazil germany the united states and norway too it's just that you know we're different countries and nigeria is at a different level of it and but it's very similar actually here in norway in the last election there was a certain right-wing party that I don't I don't support them, but I've talked to them sometimes because they were also a bit like against the vaccines and whatever. Um, and they during the last election, there was only thirty members of this small county, and they all voted for their party. And when the results came, there was only two votes from their county. Well, but the thing is, like, if you say anything about it, they have a whole media industry saying that then you're a right wing terrorist conspiracy, QAnon, Nazi, you know. (laughs) But yeah, just uh, continue telling us about the situation there. I'd also like to get into, I mean, I'd like to talk about the CBDC attempt or what what the acronym is for it now again um, in Nigeria and uh, also vaccine mandates I mean we're past that stage now but I'd like to get a bit into that but uh, yeah just just continue but it's just interesting that is happening in every country at the same time don't you think so I think so yeah okay um regarding the um, vaccine mandates, the, there was a there was a time when like like the year after COVID, that's 2021, when you know people were going back to the office and the government basically said that they wanted to mandate um the vaccine for civil servants, people who are working in the civil service before they get back to the office. But I I, I saw it on the news once, but I I didn't hear much about it again. 
people are right now in Nigeria regarding the whole COVID and like everything is back to normal. Like there are no no masks whatsoever in any place except you want to wear a mask. No one's going to stop you. But like no mask, no vaccine mandates anywhere. Like it's it's like life has gone back to the way it was, you know, before 2020, right here. But um, regarding the CBDCs, I we we I think we were one of the first countries to actually like you know legalize and adopt that thing. But like it's not widespread yet, and it got a lot of backlash from like Nigerian citizens because like the way the way they did it, it was so shady. Like the terms and conditions. And basically, the um, the official document, like talking like that, the Nigerian government released regarding the CBDC. That's, it's called here. It's called the E Naira because our um, our currency is called the Naira, so it's called the E Naira, like the electronic Naira. So um, basically, the government actually plagiarized terms and conditions from some other country's CBDC. So like people were people checked it out and they were like, like they're not they're, they're not having this. So lots of people like lots of people still do not use it it's it's basically been ignored largely by most of us only let's say some you know we've got right here in nigeria we've got a lot of um 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 fintech companies like financial tech companies like you know leads to should i say banking companies um, electronic banking companies all over the place because we have like you know like a growing number of um and tech people and software developers you know, our founders. So, like, there's a lot right here now. So, some of them you yeah. do use the era, yeah. But like, I I don't know, like, like I don't know any friend, like any family member that you. It's not like if you go to a supermarket, for example, and you want to buy something, no one is going to tell you that oh, we use the inara or you have to pay. You you can either you you still have cash here, and um, you can always use your card, your debit cards, your credit cards to pay for stuff. So like, mm. it's not being mandated here, but like, we still know that the government may, you know, try to push it on us later. But for now, it exists. But just a few of these like, um, fintech companies. But like, the fintech companies themselves are not, they they're not forcing it on anyone. Um, we still use these um in mobile banking apps the same way we we had used them before. But for now. Like this is how it is, but like I'd be looking to see what will happen in the future because I, I really I, I've looked into CBDCs myself and the um you do a risk benefit analysis and you see that like the risks are much more than the benefits. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh the main the main thing about it is to control people, but also it's because of they knew the financial crash were coming and so you have these like opportunistic people within bitcoin and uh, they had a good idea and i know some people who are very involved in the bitcoin community and whatever but <clears throat> they themselves were saying that basically we're going to go to a war with the central banks but it seems like they didn't really think through what that was going to cost you know so it's like sort of a reaction to some some of those movements as well. But yeah, last time when we talked, it seemed like uh, because they've made cash illegal, yeah, in Nigeria or unusable at least. Um, no, 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 no. We, we still have cash. What they did was that um, they decided to phase out um, the old cash, that's the old currencies, and print mm. new ones with new colors. 
So, but they didn't do it well, like because they were really incompetent with it. Because normally, <laughs> what's meant to happen is that <laughs> what's meant to happen is that you you leave um you gradually introduce the new cash into the system, and you you um gradually phase out the old cash. But what they did was that they they gave a deadline, like at the end of January, and they said by that time everyone should you know deposit their cash in the banks, the old cash, and then they will get new cash. But what they did was that um, they didn't give lots of people the cash, the new cash. So, like, there was a lot of cash. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they, like, it was, there was a lot of cash scarcity because, like, people had deposited the old cash and they were expecting the new cash, but they didn't get it. Because, no. like, the, 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 the government and the banks, they worked together to, like, withhold it and they were, you know, like, they, were, they reduced the, um, you know, the maximum um, transactions that you could do with cash. You, you saw that. Okay, we have some technical hiccups, but here is Uchena again. Where where did we leave off there? <laughs> okay, so um, let, I, I guess I'll continue from where I stopped. Mm. So um, basically, they, they they kind of made they made life really difficult for some Nigerians because um. We, we've got like lots of people who haven't really transitioned from you know the normal traditional system of um, transactions using cash so like cash is really in use here so like they made things really difficult for people and then um they also like um did um something something or something really corrupt as well they um collaborated with some politicians bank managers yeah so, um they collaborated with some politicians to give them the cash so like the cash that was printed and put in the bank vaults were given to politicians rather than the rather than you know being like spread normally into the economy so that everyone can get it so um you would go to atms and not see cash at all like at all they were not giving cash but like you'd see like, like you'd see politicians having parties and you see them with cash and you're like where's where are they coming from Where's the cash coming from? So basically what they did was that like the government told um, us that rather than using cash, everyone should, you know, try to transition to the, um, you know, mobile banking apps and, and all. But um, the problem with that is that those um, your transactions could be tracked with the mobile banking apps, but it's not as bad as the e-NIRAL, as the CBDC, because like the CBDC, um, with the CBDC, you... Um, everyone's transactions can be seen by the central bank. Like like when you're doing um, an interbank transfer, it's only the two banks that are involved that can, you know, see your transactions. A third party cannot see the transactions, but the, with the in-era, like the central bank can, you know, see transactions, but we haven't, that's not being implemented right now. So during the period, like for the, like the past, um, for like January, February, people, you know, had lots of problems with cash and all. But, like, can you imagine that the government, um, um, they reinstated the old cash back? It was so it was so crazy and so funny because, like, they, they said that, like, the old cash notes can now be used again. <laughs> so, well, like, we were like, what is the point of doing all of that if you are going to bring back the old cash? So, like, the old cash... <laughs> Like it was like it was intentional. Like they were trying to fuck with us. Like <laughs> the old car yeah. and the new car are now back in circulation, and everything is back to normal. But like people suffered during the period when there was no cash. 
Like mm. when there was little cash moving around, and I was like, "What? Why are they fucking with us like this?" It, it, it just didn't make sense. It just didn't yeah. make sense. I understand, but it kind of reminds me uh, a little bit about co- like of COVID. Actually, I know you yeah. didn't do it that much there, but especially in the West, people were really following using all the masks and whatever. But uh, the political elites and the bankers and those people, they would have parties, you know, without any masks. And you see all these pictures from the United States of the political elite class and all their servants are wearing masks while they are not wearing masks. So it's kind of like a slave mask, you know, (laughs) it looks like that. But um, yeah, it's just so interesting how the entire world it's just there's a lot of similarities to all the tricks being played in Nigeria, in Norway, in Brazil, in in Germany. They found huge election irregularities from the last uh, election. So it this has been happening all over the place, and it, it seems to be coming down from some technocratic centralized system from the top. But you said something about a lot of tech companies in Nigeria. Could you give me a bit more information on the tech companies and what are the nationalities of the people working for those tech companies? I'm very curious. Um, okay, okay, you can still hear me, right? I can hear you, yes. Okay, okay, so um, the te- we've, I-, I told you that we've got a lot of um, um, tech companies here, but like the tech companies, the they mainly, you know, specialize in the financial industry. Yeah, the banking industry. So we've got a lot of digital banks. Yeah. And, um, you know, normally a bank would have branches, physical branches all over the place, all over the country, you know. But over here with the digital banks, they've got only one branch, one physical branch. And it's usually in one city. So you like I've, I've created like, like one or two accounts with them. To you know, try and I noticed that like the service was really good actually. They are quite efficient. Yeah, they make transactions easy and all. But um, you know, one thing, one thing we from time to time here we do have like you know some banking problems. So like it's really nice when you can go to a physical branch and you know get someone to help you with these banking problems with your own account. But like the problem here is that. When you create a, if you if you put all your money in a digital bank that has only one physical branch, it gets difficult. If let's say you're living in some other, because I live in the capital of the country, and um, our you know our most popular city like the economic hub here, Lagos. I don't know if you've heard of it, Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah, yeah I actually that, have because uh, I've been watching. The only thing I knew about Nigeria before I became a friend of yours is what I learned through that fighter. Uh, Israel Adesanya, he, he was talking about Nigeria on Joe Rogan podcast all the time. That that's what I know about Nigeria. I don't know very much, <laughs> unfortunately, but I'm still friends with you, and I think that's awesome. We're so far away from each other, but we can still just talk about these issues. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, um, I don't follow Israel Adesanya so much because. Um... I don't like UFC. I, I find it very um, brutal. Yeah, I know. You you don't like fighting. Uh, yeah. But, you know, people. some people like this and some people like that. Uh, I, I love fighting, uh, but it's more because of, like, 
what's around it, like uh, the the mental strength that they show and stuff like that. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, character and, and stuff like that. But I've not been watching fighting so much lately because, you know, the WWE, that's the fake wrestling foundation, they bought up the UFC. Wow. And wow. it it's still real fights, but there's a lot of like fake theatrics, like fake, you know, like these uh, just buffooneries, like not, it's not so real anymore. It's become a bit fake, <laughs> like the rest of a lot of things in the world right now. <laughs> well, I didn't really um, know about oh. Yeah, what did you say? So I didn't really know that the WWE but. Um, the UFC, because I used to watch um, the WWE wrestling a couple of years ago when I was when I was young, like when I was a child. But like after I found out that it was fake, I just got disinterested, you know, because like I thought that everything was real when I was younger, and I used to support, you know, um, wrestlers like John Cena, Batista. But then someone told me later on that it's fake, and then I watched it and I looked at the matches and I was like, wow, it's actually fake. And you know what this just is? My... You know what this is, <laughs> Uchena? It's a metaphor for politics. <laughs> <laughs> We're becoming like you, you're a young man. How old are you? I'm turning 22 this year. Yeah, so you're a very young man. But um, so as you are becoming a grown man, and me getting into my later years and whatever, it's like we need. We're, we're still children if we think that the politicians are not like WWE wrestlers. <laughs> Except, you know, you have some, like that dude you were talking about, where you can see clearly that he has the support of the people and whatever. And, yeah. you know, in Brazil, it was the same thing. Now he's, he's a bit right-wing, extreme and whatever. But he did have a lot of popular support in the population and in the police and in the military especially but they just shut it down somehow i'm not really sure how they're, how they're even able to do that yeah yeah well you know politics is it's you you always have to be like skeptical of whoever is getting in there you know because i <laughs> i generally like personally i wouldn't you know want to be a politician unless um i can do it at a very very local level because I feel that, like, why would I want to, you know, have so much power and influence over so many people? I'm not that, you know, power drunk. <laughs> but I just feel that, like, you've got to be a bit power drunk to, you know, want to be a politician. Uh, but, like, some people, you know, some people, you know, they, they, like, they want to fix the world and all. But, like, the problem with that is that, like, when you get into those positions, you could, um, you, you could risk getting power drunk, you know? With all the power that comes with being like a governor or you know a president, yeah, yeah, that's true. I I understand that viewpoint completely. But uh, the the role of the politician is the politicians are not really the people in charge of anything. It's these business associations and groups, big tech companies, banks, and over national NGOs, uh, non-governmental yeah. organizations. But uh, I have recently gotten into politics here in Norway, actually. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, like, uh, but it's only for like a local thing. And I, 
I really don't think we're going to gain any seats or anything, but I'd like to learn the process and I'd like to meet some people and I'd like to see what's moving around there because I'm already learning a lot because we're going to start this party and we haven't, we, we don't have this party established in Oslo, which is the capital of Norway. And so I'm, doing that process and getting people to sign and doing just like contacting different people and it's just really interesting to see to see how it works and actually something really funny has happened uh recently because here in norway there is a fake nazi party it and i know that it's fake because so the name of it is the alliance and this party only has one member and this one member controls everything and he doesn't allow anyone else to join the party. And we have a famous comedian here. His name is Johan Golden and he's like black, well, like Norwegian and black, so mixed. And for several years, this leader of this fake Nazi party has put him at the top of his party every time there's an election. Like if we win... Johan Golden is gonna lead us, you know, and his dad is from Zanzibar or something. And there's other comedians on that. There's a bunch of comedians that he's put in there on purpose, but he also put in my name there now. <laughs> and so I'm on this list now of people uh, where like there's like some of the most famous comedians in Norway, and then my name is on that same list. <laughs> <laughs> because we're supposedly Nazis, according to this uh, retard, you know, <laughs> because he's a Nazi himself, is what he says. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know about that. I, I also wanted to ask you something as well. I've I've heard that um, there is like a resurgence of, you know, um, ultra right wing uh, movements in Europe. And I don't know if it's really true. I know that there is like a resurgence in Germany in Portugal, Spain, some but I don't know if it's happening in your country too. I've heard that like among like amongst the younger generation, that's my generation, like there's like a bit of a resurgence in this like ultra right wing movement. And I don't know if it's true. Is that true? It is true, but it uh it depends on what you define define as right wing in the first place. Because uh so when it comes to people who have I would say, yeah, there's a resurgence of theories about the Jews and also racial theories uh, and stuff like that and and white ethnocentrism. But yeah. it's coming from a group of people who who are not really like right wing. They're not free market capitalistic enterprise. They're more socialistic like national socialistic you know what i mean yeah. uh and so uh, but you know uh it's 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 quite natural that because they're kind of provoking it they're making it happen because they're placing these fake people everywhere who are just horrible like they are placing a bunch of like uh like immigrants in the like people from Africa and from Afghanistan and whatever they're sort of like placing them in these positions and then they just talk shit about white people you know that oh it's all the white people's fault and oh blah 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 and that creates 
that other thing. So it's, they're like really like sort of engineering this is what I'm okay. thinking myself, you know, that uh, it's kind of like, you know, in the United States, you have uh, Antifa, uh, anti-fascist action and, and Proud Boys. And both of those groups are controlled by the same financial interests, you know. Yeah. And so, but yeah, there there is a resurgence, but I would say in Norway it's quite low thus far. Yeah. That, that's I guess that's nice to know. Um because like you know, these 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 kind of movements can, could easily like you know result in like some sort of violence again. Like you know, the way they, they have it in France. You know, I, I've been following, you know. French movement for a while now, and these these people they they don't joke like they're quite violent. Like they they have um, protests and you know riots almost every time. I don't know what goes on in that country, but like it, it seems that the people they are really angry. Like like yeah, I, they, I, they are really I, angry in France yeah. and in Germany too. But you know it has to do with um, okay. So for instance, in England and. Um, there were these like rape gangs. Have you heard about that? Rape rape gangs. Yeah, there were these like in a city called Brotherdom in England, in the UK. There were these Muslim men from like Pakistan or something, mostly from Pakistan. And uh, yeah. they like uh, basically <clears throat> created like a prostitution ring and like uh sold young girls and whatever you know what i mean um yeah. and so there's a lot of like those social issues that have become really crazy and now recently in sweden they have yeah. been talking uh, about putting the military in on the street because uh, there is just there are so many explosions like there's car bombs and stuff you know well so for every, with every like crazy overreaction, there is uh, some truth to it. That's why you see all the crazy progressives and Antifa people in the United States. Like I consider them dangerous people myself too, but it, it's, it also comes from a place they have been uh, fucked over, you know, by the power structure. Yeah. You know, but I really think that all this is going to sort of fade. Um, I was uh, very heavily into a lot of, uh, because I started my journey. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in, in the theological faculty, but that's just on my spare time. But because of COVID and, and talk of vaccine mandates, I got into a lot of like freedom movements and stuff. And there about a lot of different people like a woman from africa a woman from here and there so uh that's like the real people like the grassroots people the people on the street they don't really care about any of those things but it's yeah. being pushed by these forces and their objective is to stay in power and the only tool that they have left because they have failed their mission is to make sure that people start getting angry at each other instead of looking up at who has done what, you know? <laughs> yeah. It works every time. It's a timeless trick.
divide and divide and conquer. Yeah, I mean, in the old Byzantine Empire, when that was on its way to fall down, I've read these first-hand reports with documentation of how some of the banking families and other people in the like uh, managerial class, they would pay people, fake protesters, to go out and start screaming rumors about the emperor that was not true you know it's just yeah. civilizational collapse you know <laughs> that's all this it's no no problem it's just civilization is collapsing <laughs> uh, but um so what's your take on um on what you're seeing through uh, like as a nigerian uh what's your take on what you're seeing uh, in the Ukraine situation, and also what's your take on on Elon Musk and DARPA and all that type of stuff, and the American sort of like Cirque du Soleil. Okay, um, so um, regarding the um, the Ukraine Russia war, I, I I have to be very honest. I at first when when it happened, I didn't know I didn't really know the details. I hadn't really gone deep. I, I was still, you know, you know, looking at what the media was saying, the mainstream media was saying. So I was like, okay, why is Russia attacking them? So at first, I, I felt that, you know, last year when it happened, at the beginning of last year, I felt that, okay, Russia was at fault. What's happening? But like, you know, as I started, you know, getting to know what the alternative media is saying, I'm beginning to like find out more stories. And, you know, apparently Russia is not so much at fault because they're simply trying to defend themselves from NATO. Yeah, but the mainstream media won't tell you that. They'll just be like, oh, Putin is a bad man, you know. But like, I, I'm not, I obviously, I'm not happy about the fact that, you know, people are, you know, losing their lives and losing their properties in Ukraine. I know it's 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 bad, but um, like, um, I guess the, the Russians have to defend themselves because um, I, I don't think there's any, you know, country that would like, like, um, um, NATO, to put um, military bases so close to them, yeah, it's 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 really like from like a military standpoint and from like a defense standpoint, it's not like good for your country. But like I, I just um I I just feel that like if the if the if the president of Ukraine, you know, wants things to end quickly, I think you know he should try as much as possible to quickly you know have some discussion so that there can be some sort of ceasefire because you know it's really disrupted like a lot of things in the global economy. Like, you know, food prices have gone up a lot and um, people have been displaced, you know, um, mm. even even people from here, Africa, because we've got like a lot of people from Nigeria who, you know, go to other countries to study. And we've got people who, who, who basically like their university education has been disrupted because of the Russia-Ukraine problem. So we've got people who go to Ukraine to study and, they, they had to, you know, come back, you know, go to other, like, it's almost as if they are refugees now, because they had to, you know, go to other European countries to try to seek um, refuge, you know. So, like, I'm not happy about the situation, honestly, because, you know, it's causing lots of problems for the Ukrainians themselves, as well as, you know, people from other countries. I, I hope that um, the president of Ukraine and um, Russia, you know, have some sort of talks where there's going to be a ceasefire and you know, I'm also like very like concerned with what the US is doing. It seems that they're just continuously stoking the fire 
Yeah. Like mm. they, they watch from a distance and then they just say you go fight, we'll give you weapons and all. But people are people are suffering, you know. So I'm yeah. I'm very concerned about that. It's true. Well. Um so I agree with some of your points there. Uh like there's it's a good metaphor. Like uh for instance, if if Russia overthrew uh the the politicians in Canada as they did in Ukraine in 2014 in Maidan, if they overthrew them and then started to build perhaps biological warfare factories or something uh, close to the border to the United States. Do you think that the United States would have attacked Canada? Yes, they would. Absolutely. Like when it comes to like problem, reaction, solution, there's a lot of like stuff that is not being said in the West or being admitted and i was vocal early with a lot of this um i actually uh, recorded my own podcast uh, in february 2022 right after the war had started where i said that there were biological facilities in ukraine um and i deleted it because i'm getting into it a bit now because i don't really consider it safe to talk about in norway or in the West generally, too much. But what I can say is that a lot of those things now with biolabs and whatever, I don't know what the purpose of those biolabs were, uh, but they were there. And so it's true. And so it's just like we we, we do have a problem from, from the Western perspective, uh, from like the deep state, whatever perspective. And that is that things that were that have been true from day one have been labeled as lies and then those things come out and now everyone knows that it's true like for instance how they lied about the biden laptop and whatever and so what they do then is then they flip the blame on people like me and people like you or whatever whoever is saying okay this obviously something shady is going on here yeah. Uh, because they can't do anything else because they're narcissists. Uh, I think there's a lot of psychopaths and narcissists in high places of power, and they just can't like admit uh, their own faults or or whatever. But uh, from like my vantage point, like I, I still support NATO because I am a person living in a NATO country, but I just wish that they wouldn't have been used instrumentally in this fashion because it endangers my life and the future of my children. Like there's a low probability, but for a while it really did seem like we would enter a nuclear or biological World War III scenario. And I don't want that. And I don't want that for my children either but uh i also i really do not trust russia putin and china at all like uh, they're even worse with all these cbdc's and control and stuff like that the the west and the east they're both doing the same thing but i would say and it's i don't have this perspective just because i am a westerner but i've sort of read up on it and so 
um, the Eastern version of the New World Order, whatever thing they want to do, appears to me to be slightly worse than the Western version to me as a Norwegian. But that may not be true to you as Nigerian. It depends on the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, because um, you know, like over here, we we've got um a lot of these like multinational companies and NGOs, you know, having branches here in Africa. And um, like one thing that we've noticed with you know organizations like this and you know NGOs, the IMF, the World Bank, is that like with our own countries, you know, developing countries, they don't seem to help that much. It seems that they just want you know resources and they just tell us keep on borrowing money, keep on taking money, and then it leaves a lot of countries in debt, you know? Yeah. So now sure. we've, got like, we've got like a situation where like, like African countries, like the leaders of African countries are, you know, they're siding with, they're kind of siding with Russia and China because like the, when the Russians and the Chinese come here, they don't, you know, tell us to borrow. They simply just work with us. Like um, the Chinese, for example, they, um, they've, you know, they've funded a lot of um, infrastructure projects, although I don't trust the Chinese completely because they've, they're also shady as well. But like you, you come here and then you see like what they're doing and like they're kind of collaborating with us on a like better level com compared to, you know, the way the West collaborates. The, you know, the, the way the West collaborates with us, it's almost like, like, you know, like a paternal like relationship where they're just like, oh, you have to do this like like there are parents or something like that. You have to yeah. do worse and all. But like with the Chinese, it's more like okay, we are collaborating and all. But like um, it's it seems as if the Chinese just they're not like interested in, in putting anyone in debt. They just want you know some access to resources and all. And in exchange for that, they help you to build you know new infrastructure. Like for example, in I don't know if you've, you know Kenya. The East African country. Yeah. Yeah. They've like the Chinese over there have like, you know, they've collaborated with the Kenyans to build so much infrastructure. Like you need to see the quality of the roads there and like the train system. Like the, and I don't know, the Chinese they keep on getting better with their technology, their transportation technology. It's become so high tech now. Like, like when if you go to um the capital of Kenya, you need to see like the kind of like infrastructure projects that are going on there and it's the Chinese that are funding it and so like when you have those kind of things it makes you like feel that okay we'd rather you know work with the Chinese and the Russians rather than the West you know um, yeah and I completely understand that and I am aware of this dialectic and uh, what you're saying now is also a thing that is being uh communicated in Norway through these uh, uh, left-wing uh, sources. There's a journalist, his name is uh, Stegon, it's Stegon.ano. He has been writing critically about the vaccine and whatever from day one. And uh, he has uh, that perspective that you have now and that outlook of it. And he has been uh, taking a lot of pressure because of that. Like he, they've been trying to cancel him. Uh, and, and stuff like that. And I realized that the IMF is an instrumental tool to uh, to do that. Um, 
but they do that to everyone. Uh, now they're doing it also to the West. So the thing is, us Westerners, and especially Norway, is the worst with this. Uh, because I realize now that a lot of aid, foreign aid, <clears throat> is something called soft power. And then, of course, you have hard power. But that has been uh, the Western homogenies sort of like power structure gig uh, in third world countries to get them to do what you want them to do because you use the aid as a bargaining tool or as like basically like a hostage situation like okay so if you don't do this and that we will not uh, give you this aid um, and that's the NGOs and here in Norway at least 80 to 90 percent of the population they very much believe in that thing that like oh we need to help we need to save africa we need to help africa and then i'm always thinking to myself okay you've been saying this for 80 years now nothing has happened because of you you've not really done anything uh yeah. in those areas and where's all the money going and and then like because now they're saying they're going to give less aid to developing countries. And then people go like, oh, no, oh, they can't live without us. And then I'm just thinking sometimes, you know, maybe they don't want your aid. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe they'd like to be without your aid. Maybe you should use that aid to uh, fix your own country instead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I kind of I have some knowledge about like the, you know, the international NGO space. The thing is that like, when they come here, they actually do some good work here. But the thing is, um, um, they're, not, um, they're, not, they're not going to, you know, fund and their donors, because you know, these NGOs, they work with donors. People are like donors, like the Bill and the Melinda Gates Foundation. So these organizations are not going to, you know, fund like projects such as, you know, you know, like, um, projects that are going to create lots of jobs for people, you know, and you know, when, when jobs are created, it helps to bring, um, it helps to increase the standard of living and it helps to bring more people out of poverty, you know, so um, these NGOs will not fund this kind of projects, rather they, you know, they just fund, you know, some petty, um, um, let's say food projects, you know, irrigation projects, but like the main thing, like, that is going to help people here is you know create job creation massive industrialization because we need to for for african countries you know developing countries as well even countries in latin america to become like you know countries like um to be to become developed countries they need to you know have massive industrialization we we need to become manufacturing hubs as well just you know the same way countries like japan but Toyota, sony and they've, you know, yeah. they've, they've become wealthy themselves. They have, they've become manufacturing hubs as well. Other countries like the US, the US is a manufacturing hub. You have various European countries like France, the UK is a manufacturing hub as well. So like, I think that is what is going to help us. But these NGOs, they're not interested in those kind of things, you know? So, um, yeah. And now the managerial elite and <clears throat> sort of like, left wing we call them libt i call them libtards uh, elite in the west they also are in a climate suicide cult where like we need to not industrialize anything we need to start eating bugs and 
basically kill ourselves, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've been, hearing, uh, I've been hearing a lot about that. I, I, I Maybe I'll send you this link. I'm presently subscribed to this um, newsletter and they talk, it's, it's like a financial newsletter, but they talk about this thing a lot. And they've also got like this um, um, head fund investment service. I'll, I'll send, I'll send the, this thing to you. I okay, thank email, you. I to the email newsletter and these guys are, they really make fun of the, the whole climate thing. And they, they basically, they basically invest in um, companies and stocks that are being, you know, told that what you're doing is wrong. You know, you've heard. Yeah, of I know. Yes, yeah, so I know. I, I have a, I have a good friend of mine who's uh big into financial stuff and, uh, and and kind of rich and he told me early last year that he was starting to uh invest in companies that were like blacklisted by these yeah. i call them climatards <laughs> climatards <laughs> that's the name for them <laughs> you know like the problem with it is that like the 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 they are talking about goals that are unrealistic you know they want to they want to transition to renewable energy, but the thing is, they haven't invested in like they haven't invested in any like resources that will help to you know make the transition smooth. So they just want everybody to leave their diesel cars, leave their um petrol cars, and just move to um this thing like electric cars and all, and you know wind energy, solar energy. And the thing is that most people who are like on this train, they don't even know like like the um the geology aspect of this. They don't know like the amount of, you know, damage that gets done to the environment when um, they are mining things like lithium for, you know, solar energy and all. So like there's a lot of damage that goes into mining these minerals to then produce these electric um, cars and all. And people, a lot of people don't know about this. They don't know about like what goes into the production of like solar panels, the kind of, you know, damage that is done to produce these solar panels and all so like people are just like oh let's just move to renewable energy and they just they just don't know like they haven't spoken to you know anyone who works in the geology industry to actually tell to actually you know tell them what goes on before these things are made you know and like it's i think like the way i see it like it's a money grab and all of these international organizations they are down with it you know the un is down with it the 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 World Economic Forum they are down with it and all and it's, I I see it as a money grab because like they are not letting people know it's like they are basically deceiving people so they are like let's fund you know climate change and all of the let's fund um you know companies that are, that want to you know go into climate change but they won't tell you what goes on behind the scenes you know so it's like people no. are being yeah. Definitely not. It's true. And uh, <clears throat> here in Norway, we have we have a lot of problems with all the windmills they're building because they are destroying the natural habitat of indigenous people and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And so it's just like not not OK. But uh, and also those big uh, windmill companies, uh, they they are violating the law. We have all these lawyers now on the case showing how they are violating the law in several different ways, because Norway has a very big and well-developed bureaucracy that can be very annoying. But I think it's actually what's going to save us in the end, because it's really hard to get things happening here quickly because it's kind of like a mentally sort of retarded 
bureaucracy. But with the windmills, they've just broken all the laws. And recently, <clears throat> a case was taken to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court of the land judged that these windmill farms on these indigenous people's land, they're called the Sami people, uh, they were in violation of the law and therefore they had to be removed. And then nothing happened. So it's clear that they are violating the Supreme Court, like they're not respecting the Supreme Court. And so we have a situation in Norway where it's just like, okay, so they're not actually following the law anymore here. Like that is literally the Supreme Court, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I and they're not listening. We, have, we, we, we have some of that here as well. Like well, our own is like, slightly on a more <laughs> regular basis. The ruling party here, like when the Supreme Court like rules something, they just like ignore them sometimes. And I'm like, what is happening? Like this is literally the Supreme Court. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we have some of that here as well. It's crazy. It's crazy. <sighs> it all goes back to it's sort of like you know we've been under. So it was the Roman Empire, and then that became the Holy Roman Empire, and then during the Enlightenment and whatever, it kind of got the ideals got transported to the United States, and then. The United States is now like the third or fourth installment of this empire. Like it is the Roman Empire. That's the United States. And they're the military arm of it. And the Vatican is the spiritual center. And the Bank of London is the financial center. And you can see clearly that there's a lot of these people here, how they intermingle and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of people who have, I feel really bad for a lot of, there's a lot of like Norwegian patriots who are very like, rah, 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 we're from Norway and whatever, but they're completely like cognitively uh, dissonant. Like they know now that for instance, the vaccines were a bunch of shit. Uh, but then when the queen dies, they all say, uh, oh God, save the queen or the King Charles or whatever. But he was the one who started the great reset and he, and, and AstraZeneca knighted someone for their work. And now all the governments of the world are stopping using AstraZeneca because they think it's a shit vaccine or whatever. And so it's just like, you know, it, yeah, whatever. It's just, it's kind of sad and pathetic to, to be a Westerner right now. I'm not very proud of my collective society at this moment, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> uh. Uh, it's, it's crazy yeah i i you know me I, i'm generally not even like i'm generally very you know skeptical about what goes on with these uh royal families i know <laughs> i don't want to get into it but like i've heard so much you know conspiracies about these people <clears throat> and they've, they've got a really dark history as well with royal families around the world you know yeah that is actually true but uh here in norway we do have a royal monarchy and we really love them here. I also like uh, the Prince of Norway, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dark stuff to European aristocratic nobility, for sure. Um, 
Another issue that like now I'm kind of jumping a bit around the place, but one thing that I've found very interesting, I haven't read up on my spare time much on Nigeria, but I do know that you have a Nigerian bishop or patriarch in the Nigerian Orthodox Church who is doing a lot of good work keeping uh, the sort of like woke virus away from the church and stuff like that. And he is getting attention in the West. A lot of Western Christians are noticing that he is uh, being a really good guy with that. And so, uh, yeah, what, what have you seen in re regards to that? Because you know how it is in the West, but I, I'm sure there's nothing like that in Nigeria, but they have tried. Um, well, like I have to correct you here. Well, we, we don't, you know, in Nigeria, the Orthodox Church is not... Um, is not um, big here, you know, as because of you know, we're in West Africa, and um, oh, so it's the Anglican Church. Um, we've got the Anglican Church here, but um, the the Protestants are the ones who are the majority here. Yeah, okay, Protestant. Yeah, that's yeah, what Protestant. I am too. Mm. Yeah, um, but like we've also got the the Catholic Church is also really strong here too. So we've got the Catholic Church here, and they like. Like I guess I guess I'd say that the Catholic Church is I guess they are doing a good job here to keep away the woke um, should I say the woke virus away from here because the um the priests here they are still you know quite you know traditional and conservative they have not you know they haven't gone really um into these um, um for example let's say like I've heard that like in some places in Europe like in some Catholic churches in Europe like for example in Germany the um, the Archbishop of Germany, that's the Catholic Archbishop of Germany, has, you know, gone against the Pope and he has basically decided to wed, you know, gay couples in the church. And that's literally against Christianity. But like over here, that can't happen because like the, the priests are like, we're not having that. Uh, that's against the teachings and all. So like, the, I guess in the Catholic, I don't know about other churches because I'm, I'm Catholic actually, but I don't know about other churches because I don't, you know, attend other churches apart from the Catholic Church, but so far I think the the Archbishop here is you know doing a good job. Um, but the the other the Orthodox Church here is not big. Yeah, we've okay. Got, yeah, we've got some church, Orthodox churches in like the south of Nigeria. Yeah, I was misunderstanding. I was thinking about the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Those, yeah, those, yeah, those are they the the ones that have the Orthodox Church and it's very big, and you know widespread over the, they, they were like um th them and the egyptians were like the first africans to become christians like they've had christianity for like centuries in, in that part of africa mm. for us we we just we just got like um because of you know um european colonization by the british we you know we we got we got introduced to christianity just like you know around 200 years ago i know but like the East Africans, like the Ethiopians, the Egyptians, like the Coptic, the Coptic Orthodox Church, they've been around for centuries. Yeah, since like the seventh century or so, they've been around. So like they've got that, um, you know, that Christian um, tradition really like rooted there in that part of Africa. Yeah, here in Norway, uh, there's um, a church called. Paulus, the Church of Paul, 
you know, <clears throat> Saint Paulus in in the Bible, and he was uh, one one of the things that is traditionally known and ascribed to him is that he was warning that you should not mix in these different things with the church, like these different ideologies and whatever. And so last fall, they held a drag show and a burlesque show in Paulus Church where they were wow. dancing in their underwear and stuff like that. Wow, that's that degenerate. Yes, yeah, absolutely crazy. And in the priest degree, like to become a priest, uh, it's mandatory that you learn about gender, that gender is a social construct. Wow. But it's not mandatory anymore to learn Greek or Hebrew or Latin. So wow. they're intentionally trying to make people stupid. It, like the like I, it seems that like they're trying to you know like basically force like ideologies that are not um, that are not um, Christian into the church, and it seems that like especially in the West, they are like the the archbishops and you know the, the priests are not being like they're not being resistant to it they're just like you know accepting it and... yeah but that's because they remove people like me oh wow so they control the institution or whatever it's a deep-seated like subversion thing that is very important to them to ruin the church and it has some purpose i suppose um but like that is what's so sad about those people too who <clears throat> who fall for it and who go good for it and who are these like you know we just it's a term we use like if you're like blue-eyed then you're like naive you don't understand like evil or the world and then they go and push this forward into their churches but a, a consequence is that the churches are collapsing there's nobody attending church anymore and there's all these new free churches coming around there's new christian communities growing up outside of the state church and i'm very interested in that and so i'm going to do a research project on it next year where I want to interview a bunch of Christians um, and 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 sort of like compile uh, because there has been massive numbers of people leaving the church and just get them to tell me uh, what was the main reason why they left the church and what type of new church they're in now and what the message is there compared to the older church and that will be very easy to do and if i just compile that data of what people's opinions are it'll just show that people don't like it you know people do not like it at all there's only like uh, there's people who stick around because they've done it their entire life and they're not really christian there there's not a lot of christians left in the norwegian church now oh. it seems oh. like to me <laughs> We, I have a question. Um, is your church, is the Norwegian church, is it is it Catholic or is it Orthodox? Protestant. Lutheran. Oh, Protestant. Oh, Lutheran. Oh. Uh, I thought you guys were like, um, you know, the, um, the Eastern Europeans, you know, that they have like the Orthodox church really strong there. No. Well, the <clears throat> no, we're Protestant. We're Protestant. The Protestant church is also like, quite big here but like um we they've you know that you know the protestants like you know they've got a lot of denominations 
So um, we've got the Pentecostals here. We've got um, Anglicans a lot here. I think we've got um, 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 Baptists. I think Methodists here a lot. So they're they're kind of widespread, but they, they, I think they're the they're the, they're the most in number. Then followed by the Catholics over here, but the Orthodox very few here, very few here. There, there, like there's no like there's no Orthodox church in the city I live in. <laughs> like I have to go down to down to the south to you know find a few of them. They're not much. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's good to. Uh to get in touch with you and to have a chat about all this stuff. Uh, what I find so interesting is how we can see the world through such a, a similar scope. A lot, a lot of the people who are in opposition to a lot of stuff happening here in Norway now, they don't like what they call <clears throat> the globalists. And, and they're right in some regard. You have these supernatural national not not natural supernatural oligarchs with the, you know bill gates and whatever doing whatever they want to the world but really they do like globalism and they do want globalism like uh to have an open world with exchange of ideas and and freedom and thoughts and discussions and uh, cultural expressions all that is is a good thing and it always was a good thing but it has been taken over by ideologues that are destructive to their own system but like they're kind of like culture revolutionizing themselves in the west they're exterminating themselves like <clears throat> a lot of the people who go into deep into the progressive things they, they send their children to drag shows to watch strippers and then they castrate their son, you know? It's just like, what the fuck, you know? But they're exterminating themselves. And it's just like, okay, what the fuck? If, they're this, if they are of this constitution, if they're this mentally ill in the head, I feel really bad for the children. But it's just like, okay, it's just kind of fucked up, you know? Uh, but they're the ones removing themselves from the gene pool. And it seems yeah. sort of like it seems like a trick, you know, to sort of like catch people who who kind of are like that and to get them to basically kill themselves. Like in Canada, the sixth leading cause of death now is euthanasia. Like uh, they're giving uh, young kids and whatever euthanasia. It's, that's really sad. Yeah. yeah, it is really sad, but it's just like so weird what would drive people to sort of embrace it and go good for it. But there's a lot of grassroots opposition happening. And I'm very thankful that we do still have this uh, way of communicating like me and you are doing right now. That's a big reason for why I started my podcast in the beginning. I just wanted to get in touch with people in different places of the world. And it's just so interesting to see how a lot of the things that you experience in Nigeria are also similar in, Nor in Norway. It's just that here, like in Nigeria, you have a higher level of 
corruption and, and more crime. And here we have the woke virus instead, you know. But it's yeah. kind of like it, it's both destructive, you know what I mean? <laughs> from the from the talk. But it's really nice to talk to you tonight. Yeah, you, you too. It's, it's nice to hear from you after after a while. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's also nice to you know, um, you know, see things from someone else's perspective and another part of the world and and you know you're you're older than me so you've seen more you've, you've got more experience in life so it's also like better that i get to hear from someone who's older than me yeah but and it's, it's good for me that i get to hear from someone who's younger than me <laughs> uh yeah it was uh it was really great to talk to you tonight uh do you have any sort of like uh finishing remarks uh is there anything that makes you hopeful for the future do you have a plan for yourself on how to sort of evade it if it goes too far stuff like that well um right now i um my my plans for the future um i i actually i still like you know had plans to you know go abroad to do my um to do my masters yeah Mm. But um, like regarding like everything that's going on in the world right now, I think you know I I would just have to you know keep on looking at um, you know different places and see where like there is more the countries you know where there is more sanity and where there is more stability and where all of this uh, where there, all of this you know the, basically the um, you know all of these problems that we're having with. Um, um, multinational companies, you know, basically encroaching on governments and all, and you know, the LGBT movement spreading so much, and you know, the financial system. I'm basically, you know, looking around and seeing um, what countries are like, you know, much more stable and much more, you know, you know, um, have better leadership or not. So that if if things, although I I'm 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 always hopeful for the future, but like. If if things do not go so well in where where I am, I I would always you know have some sort of option to go somewhere else. That's basically what I'm doing now. Because um, you look at some parts of the world and you're like, um, with the way things are going, with the present trajectory, it doesn't seem like the future is going to look really good here. Yeah. So I I still have that, but like I'm always hopeful for the future, you know, especially here in Africa, because you know like we we hope that like the old um, the old political class will go soon and then we'll have new leadership and we, we've also got like a really good demographic here because we've got more, um, you know, younger people who like getting more educated, you know, learning new languages, you know, getting, um, you know, getting better jobs and also I'm really, I'm really optimistic about here but like I'm also looking at the whole world, you know, getting more and more interested in geopolitics and all and it's also nice i get to talk to you so that if, if i have any questions i could ask you so uh, it's been nice talking to you as well same with you <clears throat> it's great sometimes i do have questions and you're a good person to uh, to to answer them but uh, that was uh, norway and nigeria tonight <clears throat> i like the names of our countries they're kind of similar uh, it's just like an n and an o and an i and norway and nigeria um it was great to get in touch with you i'm gonna uh 
publish this tonight because I'm getting back into my podcasting. I haven't been doing it for a while now. Um, <clears throat> to you and my audience, basically, the reason why I'm cutting it short now is, is because I have to. <laughs> because uh, I have a, a phone date with some people uh, from the United States. So I just have to do it. But thank you so much. Uchana for uh, joining me tonight and uh, we'll stay in touch just uh, shoot me a message if there's anything and I'll uh, do my best to try to explain it <laughs> thank you very much you thank you very much it was great take care of yourself yeah you too bye bye yeah bye